Hello. Hello. Welcome. It's good to be here with you. Ah, I love this time every week. And first and foremost, before I introduce today's guest, I want to thank all of you who listen to this podcast week in and week out, whether it be catching up on episodes or you're new to this community. Thank you. Thank you for choosing this podcast. I know there's so much choice around these days, but it's really nice to know that this resonates with you. And for those of you that have gone one step further and left reviews, I really, I really appreciate you. I see you. And to those that have stopped me in the street or sent me emails and given feedback directly on the podcast, especially what you would love more of, that means so much. That means honestly so much. And as a creator, this feedback is really important because Although this show is a creative outlet for me, and yes, it helps my business, I design this with you in mind. And this show is really about showing you that your small business can be 100% by your design, the way you do business, who you do business with, how you do it is by your design. And sharing stories of other women who have done the same who have conquered their fears and their uncertainties and put their stamp on this time in history is one way of showing you what's possible. Okay, now that I've got that little sermon over and done with, before I introduced my guest officially, you might recall that back in April, and while April feels like a lifetime ago, I don't know what's happened with time and space this year, but it's it's really quite a trip. <laughs> Back in April, I released a free download, a guide called Your Best Business Idea. And the original intention of this guide was to help those people out there that have got all of these ideas swirling around in their head, whether they have already started a business and they are looking to refine their offerings more or whether they are completely starting from scratch, but they want to really create something that's by their own design. I created this download for you so that you can get really clear on your vision and that one thing that you are going to move forward with, that one idea that is right for you, that's not the right idea, but the idea that's best for you. Now, your best business idea has had a little makeover in the last few weeks. It's got a new name. And for those of you that are ready to take action on those ideas, I've put in the back of this guide, a two-page plan, an action plan for you, your first steps to get rocking and rolling. This guide, as I said, is not just about finding the right idea. It's about finding the idea that aligns with your why, your timing, your financial clarity on what you want this business to provide for you, for you and your family, and creating products and services that speak to your genius, because this is one way to make it easier for yourself. And sometimes you are at that stage in your business, like I said, you might have been in business for a while now, but you really need to realign that vision. You really need to get 
that next level of clarity. You've had some really great clients, but you want to find your dream clients. Maybe you want to go that next level of depth in your work. And for you, this guide is perfect. We need a vision before we can create goals and milestones. And if you haven't created that yet for your business, then perhaps it's time to go back and revisit that. You can download your copy of Design Your Business Vision, that's the new name, by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to rubymarsh.com. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. My guest today is a beautiful woman by the name of Joanne Wetzel. She is a certified life coach, YouTube content creator, and podcaster with more than eight years of experience mentoring, coaching, and empowering women in business. Through her company, Joanne Wetzel Coaching, she specializes in helping women to develop their personal skills to show up more empowered and inspired in their businesses. She truly believes that when we learn how to challenge and evolve through personal growth, personal development, it makes a monumental difference in the impact and the health of our businesses. So she's obviously a woman after my own heart. We talk a lot about this personal growth side of business but I was also really interested to dive in and hear some of Joanne's previous experience including her story and her previous career as a makeup artist how she then moved into helping people grow their businesses through marketing on Pinterest and YouTube which as you'll find out uh a search engine. These are search engines. And so we can use them just like we use our Firefox or our Safari or our Google search bar. Really, really interesting stuff and really great. I think if you are new to this type of search engine marketing. So without further ado, I welcome my guest today, Joanne Wetzel. Welcome, Joanne, to the True to You podcast. It's so wonderful to be here with you today. Hi, Ruby. I am really grateful for the opportunity to just share some some insight with your audience today. So thank you. Amazing. We're going to kick it off with a little bit about your story. And I think your story will often tell us a little bit around how you got started with your business journey and you've made a couple of changes in in the last year. Would you like to tell us how you got started in business, maybe the backstory that led into that and why you've chosen this uh, entrepreneur or solopreneur path now? Yeah, absolutely. So I come from an entertainment background. So I modeled and I was an actor for a really long time. And throughout that journey, I moved into doing freelance hair and makeup. So I worked with women a lot. 
And when I started my business, I had, well, let me take it back a second. I had been fired from a a corporate job. And it was at that point, I kind of knew like, okay, I think business and entrepreneurship might be the thing for me. I I don't necessarily want to work for someone else. So I started this uh, makeup artistry business, given that I had all these connections from being in the entertainment industry. And I've always been a connector of women uh, and a power of women, even when I did hair and makeup. I was mentoring other artists. I was helping people start their business. I was hosting all these meetups. And unfortunately, I burned out in that business. And I have spent the past few years really trying to figure out, you know, well, what is it that I want to do? And the, I guess, theme or the idea that keeps coming out of everything I do is empowerment for women. And I started working as a Pinterest strategist for a couple of years and I realized, you know, I'm just not making the impact that I want to be making with women. Like this isn't the way that I necessarily want to serve them. And it was through my own personal development journey and having struggled so much in my business as a makeup artist with my own self-worth and comparisons and confidence and boundaries that I realized was like, this is what I'm meant to be doing because we as women, a lot of us are not taught what I like to call like the life skills, right? Those things are things such as feeling worthy and having confidence and having a healthy mindset and self-love and self-talk. So my journey into life coaching was that I want to teach other women in business specifically how they can empower themselves with the life skills, because those are things that I had to learn on my own. And I think my journey as a business owner would have been much easier had I known a lot of those things ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah. um, So interesting. So you've had quite a less traditional career path in that imagine straight out of high school was it I want to be famous I want to be you know in shows were you in musical theater or was it um television what what area did you work in Yeah. So here in in the North Carolina area and sort of regionally, it's very commercial. So definitely did a lot of local commercials and short films, a lot of uh, print work, you know, local magazines and things like that. I I don't know that I wanted to be famous necessarily. I loved, I loved the uh, meeting a lot of people and having a lot of really cool experiences being a talent, but you know, as a talent, you are a business, you should run yourself as a business. And it wasn't, I didn't have the confidence and the belief in myself to think, to know that I could make it. I think I really struggled in putting my worth and my confidence in the hands of other people. So I just, that's why I decided to start a makeup artistry business because I was like, I just, I'm a starving artist. I'm like, at the time I was like 24. I'm like, I've got to do something else. I just can't keep on this cycle of trying to be a talent without, you know, I would have to essentially move to a bigger city and do that whole thing. And I wasn't sure that that was what I wanted to do, but definitely a non, non-traditional path for sure. Yeah. And amazing that you got those insights and and for anyone that's pursuing a path in the entertainment industry, it's it's grueling from what I understand, which is exactly what you were saying. And mm-hmm. and sometimes you are really selling yourself and what's the difference between being a human and selling yourself as something that they want to see. And mm-hmm. so it's really interesting that at 24, did you say you 
was that when you decided to, t- to turn your back on the industry and go into, essentially you're still in the industry with makeup artistry, but mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. had that first wake up moment of, oh, there's, there's something that's not quite sitting right here. Yeah. And I still, I mean, I still continue to model. I had an agency uh, until I was about 29. I think it was about three or four years ago that I decided to, to hang up my acting shoes, so to speak. <laughs> but it was definitely something where I knew that, like you said, it is very grueling. But again, uh, and we'll talk more about this, you know, throughout this, this interview is that I didn't have the life skills that I needed. I didn't have the, the belief in myself, the confidence in myself, the worthiness to also sometimes stand up for myself with my agents and say, you know, this is not that that's just not the opportunity for me. Or, you know, I really think that I should receive more of a rate for that, or this is the experience that I have and really advocating for myself. And that's something that I know through conversations that I've had that a lot of women in business and solopreneurs really struggle with. Mm-hmm. It's not really the expectation of our parents to know all of this. I think that sometimes it's a mixture of everything, isn't it? It's our schooling, mm-hmm. it's it's our communities. And I can't even imagine, I didn't grow up with social media. So I, I can't even imagine how that must be for that generation, that Gen X kind of millennial um, generation that they're constantly considering their self-worth because they're always in the spotlight, even if it's not in a, in the, in an entertainment industry way, but they're creating their own media channels and things. So it's really interesting that I think beyond uh, business, these are also going to be skills that we need to work on as, as just part of being a human in this digital age. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And I have four nieces and they're 16 and below. And so being a, a, I guess, role model for them and having like, Hey, you don't have to place all of your worth in this person or all of your worth in this, this app, right? Cause their TikTok is the really big thing right now. Yeah. And, and just having um, them understand that like they're more than just I mean, even just their looks and even just their things that they can offer to other people, you know, because mm-hmm. it is easy to get wrapped up in, in the media and, you know, what the celebrities are doing and feeling like, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. So I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not valuable. I'm not worthy. Mm, yeah. So interesting. I would love to know a little bit more about how this business journey has unfolded for you this year, because you said, you mentioned to well, you've had sort of the makeup artistry and then you did some Pinterest or search engine marketing uh, mm-hmm. work and then now into the life coaching this year. What was that pivot like from the search engine marketing, which seems fairly lucrative when you look at it on the outside because it's a skill set that you can that you can learn. And it's a skill set that's really an asset to a lot of businesses to have people that know what they're talking about. Because when we, when we actually step back and look at it, these platforms are machines and they're, you only have to watch the social dilemma if anybody's watched that on Netflix recently and realize how powerful these people are to our businesses. And so 
maybe that was something that you saw. I don't, I don't know. Like, how did you, how did you get into it originally? Yeah, I would say that, you know, for the past few years, I've really, uh, cause I burned out my business three years ago. I took a year off to kind of recover and recuperate from that. And then I have all these digital skills. I've always been really good and tech savvy and have an interest in marketing and, or, you know, I'm really uh, good at marketing my own business. And I was like, I had started hearing about Pinterest and I was like, oh, wow, people aren't taking advantage of this incredible, you know, search engine and they're not using it for their business. And, but really, I think the, the moment for me was that, well, one, uh, doing Pinterest really wasn't making the impact that I wanted to make in people's lives. Just, oh, okay, I'm your marketer. I'm your Pinterest marketer. Um, but really when I sat down at the end of the day and I thought about, you know, is this what I want to be doing? Is this bringing me a lot of joy and fulfillment? It, it really wasn't, you know? So I had to kind of, um, I took a social media hiatus a few months ago and I really was like, okay, you know, what are your skills? What are you really good at? What are the common themes in your life? And I had talked about coaching before and I just, I kept doing what I thought everybody else wanted me to do, right? To have a career, to have, oh, well, can't really be a coach, right? But Pinterest marketing, like that's a skill. That's a thing that you could offer. And I, I just kept struggling with falling into the box of what I thought people wanted to put me in, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. versus really listening to my own heart and the skills that I know that I have and, and my intuition and really listening to that and moving forward, uh, forward in that journey. Yeah, that's so interesting. Tell me about some of those skills because definitely when... I was doing a lot more work coaching women and their careers, but even so in, in starting up small businesses, I think it's really interesting how when we feel like we're, when you're starting a business coming from a previous career, it is, it is a fresh start, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, not disregarding those skills that you have accumulated over the years just because it now takes the form of a business, if you will, rather than working for a corporation. And so I would love to know from you, what were some of those skills that you picked out that you realized, hey, these are the commonalities through everything that I've done. Even sometimes we can look back right to our teenage years or, mm. you know, our first few few jobs out of high school and realize, I was actually doing what I want to do right now back then. (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about that process of analyzing your skills. Was there any, any specific process that you went through and and what you found from that, that you were able to take into this next direction? Well, when I really sit back and I look on it, uh, look back at it, you know, I modeled. So I was constantly surrounded by women at fashion shows and photo shoots and, you know, fellow models and things. And then when I worked as a makeup artist, that was really some of the, the moments where things started to come together because women would sit in my chair and they would immediately pick themselves apart. They would have nothing positive to say about themselves. And so it got me thinking about, and not just them, but also like, you know, friends who own businesses. So there were these, these common themes that started to really become present, like across the board, no matter what age you are, no matter where you're from, of feeling unworthy, of talking really ugly to ourselves, of just feeling really um, not so beautiful, right? Because we look at celebrities who are really made up and we think, oh gosh, you know, I don't look like that. Um, 
um, let me think, oh, just not having the belief in ourselves of, well, I can make this happen and I can do this. And it, and it really goes back to our self-talk and the things that we think and, and our confidence. So really looking at, like you said, those themes in my life, it was always that I always encourage people like, don't talk bad about yourself. Like you are capable of this. I was always there as sort of a cheerleader for lack of a better word. And so I've also know that I've struggled with those things. I've struggled with depression and I've struggled with anxiety and having to learn skills and techniques and tools, if you will, in therapy to be able to heal myself. And so with those things, I'm like, I'm a much happier, more fulfilled person, more confident too. And so I see how it's impacted my own life. And so that's something that I want to help to impact other women too. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think it, you're so right. It's, it's a collection of our own experience and then what we notice hearing time and time again, isn't it? That we're able mm-hmm. to, the, the light goes on in our head and we say, oh, that's it. That's, that's really where I want to use my skill set. I'm curious to know when you were doing your YouTube and Pinterest marketing, what did you focus on in those businesses? Was it first YouTube and then Pinterest? Was it a combination of both? Yeah. So I actually, so right now, well, obviously in my Pinterest marketing business, it was primarily Pinterest. And I had Mm. started doing some tutorials on YouTube for uh, Pinterest to like help. Right. And then as I've evolved into the coaching business, I've really put a lot more effort into YouTube. And the reason for that is because I can leverage Pinterest and share pins promoting my videos, which is going to help me get watch time, which is going to help drive people from Pinterest Mm. to my YouTube channel. But also the thing that I love about YouTube that I wish I would have started a channel years ago is it is just searchable content. It is evergreen. It is always there for people. So I could create a video today that five years from now, I could help somebody, mm, you know, mm. and can be very, very relevant. So I'm not doing as much with Pinterest right now, simply because I'm building out my content. Um, but I do love YouTube because I'm reaching this wide audience I mean, people, when I'm sleeping, people are watching my videos. They're able to check out my website. They're able to buy my affiliate products or reach out to me for coaching. And with social media, you know, a lot of us get so wrapped up in being relevant on social media, but really those things disappear. They want us to pay for advertising. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like with YouTube, yes, it's much more work up front and it certainly is a long-term game, but as it accrues and you have all these videos and you have, you know, YouTube understands what it is that you're all about, your channel just really starts to build momentum. And it's really cool because you can actually watch it happen. So interesting. So you're able to, I guess, play one off the other in, in some respects. And that if you get the Pinterest momentum, in terms of pinning content to Pinterest and then you have your YouTube channel as well. You can be not advertising, but pinning YouTube content on Pinterest and then send it back from Pinterest to YouTube. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so amazing. It's so interesting. I've noticed recently too, that I'm curious to, to, to pick your brain a little bit on this around Pinterest, even though it's not something that you're, you're working a lot in at the moment, but I've noticed my Pinterest 
gaining more traction and there's more visibility to Pinterest. And I'm not sure if that means that there's more users on there. So, um, you know, your monthly, my monthly views has gone up quite considerably without even really doing much to it. And also at the same time, I'm noticing a lot more advertising coming through on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's that balance of seeing the potential with it. But also when I personally use the platform, I'm noticing more advertising and it's changing my experience of the platform. And I guess I would love you to contribute your thoughts on this and how this is changing, how people use the platform, are they using it? I felt like that's how Facebook was going. It was becoming much more dominant in advertising. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting how we perceive a platform as a user versus how we can actually use it for our business. And sometimes we've got to separate our own experience from how we're we are experiencing it. Right. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. (laughs) So usership, uh, the the number of monthly viewers, I think peaked, it was like peaked all uh, out of all time in March of this year because of COVID, Mm. because people are at home. They're looking for work from home where they're looking for exercise, um, exercise routines. They're looking for, you know, what to make. They're looking for things to do with the kids right at home all day, every day. Um, So Pinterest ended up, you know, really increasing and adding all these like different benefits and features to the platform almost overnight. It changed so quickly. Um, but then advertisers, of course, also caught wind of this because they're like, oh, well, we want to, ca- you know, capture a piece of that Pinterest pie because so many people are using the platform. And so I think it does, like you said, it does change the user experience because you are seeing a lot more ads. But the great way that Pinterest was designed is it's always you're always going to have that organic element, right? Like I feel like with Facebook, you your your business page doesn't really gain a lot of traction and you do see so many ads and it's almost like everybody's just trying to sell their, you know, their product or service, even if it's just your, like, you know, your friend Sally's personal Facebook, she's a, you know, a Melaleuca consultant or something like that. Right. You just, it's just, I feel like it's lost its personal touch, but I really think that with Pinterest, even though you do have, you know, some more of the advertisers, you also still get, you know, those smaller bloggers and those more intimate, uh, yeah, bloggers who are sharing or bloggers, content creators who are sharing their content to be able to discover new ideas and inspiration for whatever it is that you are looking for. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, some of these platforms, they their uptake of advertising or people, their their users utilizing the platform for advertising, it was always going to happen eventually. And uh, Pinterest advertising is still very reasonable too. And Pinterest, I would say, to be honest, have amazing customer service in that I've had Pinterest people reach out to me, which I do not get on any of the other platforms. And you can actually talk to someone about your advertising strategy in uh, a call center, which appears like a lot of, they have a lot of local call centers as well. So you're not talking to someone random in another country. And that's been, that's been really, really cool to experiment with Pinterest advertising and, 
I think for anyone listening, maybe you can add a little bit around advertising. I'm not sure if you specialized in that as well, but uh, what the opportunities are there for for small businesses and women in small business? Yeah, I would say coming from having tested some of my own Facebook ads and Pinterest ads, like what number one Pinterest ads I feel is way easier to set up <laughs> on your own. Like let's say you don't have you know the money to hire an ads manager, um, but also Pinterest does provide you that support, like you were saying. So if you are struggling to set up an ad, you wanna set up an ad, you can actually talk to somebody who can help guide you through the process. They are very much about supporting you as the creator so that you can bring the fresh content or products that you're putting to the platform to their users, to provide their users with a better, uh, just a better, more inspirational experience. And so also too, like you were saying, the, the cost per ad, the cost per click um, is also much lower than say Facebook. So there is a lot of benefit to still get in there and gain the visibility. I've definitely run some of my lead magnets on Pinterest and I had way more success with gaining new quality leads on there versus my Facebook ads. My Facebook ads, of course, I don't know as much about what I'm doing. Um, so that might play into it a little bit, but certainly I feel like also my target audience was more on Pinterest than, than Facebook based on what they were searching for. So I think, I think it really depends on your business, what your overall goals are, what your ad budget is, um, you know, if you're DIYing it or if you have somebody who can help to do it for you. Um, there are a lot of variables, but I don't want people to discount Pinterest as a potential um, ads platform because it is very viable and it's going to continue to be very viable continue, since COVID is not going anywhere anytime soon. Yes, yes, absolutely. For those women that are listening and, and men too. Sorry, I've got to forget that there's probably a few percentage right. of men out there. We love you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> for those that are listening that don't know what a lead magnet is or what that terminology is, would you be able to share with them why, why we what a lead magnet is and how you would use Pinterest to make a lead magnet visible? Yeah, so there are a lot of times, I'm sure you've heard all the terms for a lead magnet, lead generator, freebie, opt-in. Um, and so essentially what a lead magnet is, is it's a free piece of content that you deliver to your audience in exchange for having their email, right? It's a very intimate thing when people hand over uh, their personal email address to you. And so the lead magnet is a way to not only incentivize them to join your email list, but it's a way to say thank you. And that and to provide value and to serve them, uh, you know, for them to opting on your list. And I would say with Pinterest, the cool thing is, is that you can create pins surrounding whatever your freebie is. It can be a PDF, it can be a video, um, it could be a checklist or a quiz, what have you. You can create pins surrounding that thing and then go ahead and link to that page on Pinterest. People can say, oh my gosh, you know, they've got this great, you know, checklist, like 10 easy ways to like organize your closet or something like that. And you can then get leads that way. So if you have some kind of digital product you're selling or services that you offer, people are on your email list and they have that more intimate access to you to be able to see what it is that you have uh, going on in your business and, you know, convert them, this, which is the eventual goal from, from the lead magnet uh, to make more money and to make more, have more profit in your business. 
Mm. It all makes sense. Did that whole process make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. I thought we would we would break that down for the listeners because I know what a lead magnet is, but mm-hmm. like you say, there's so many different ways of expressing the same thing. And it was also good to hear that in the context of Pinterest. And the cool thing about Pinterest is there's endless opportunities and how you express that lead magnet. So there's so many different ways. If you're fairly good with your graphics or you've got a graphic designer, you can say to your graphic designer, Hey, can you give me 10 different ways to express the cover page of this ebook? And Mm -hmm. it might be a photo with a little bit of text. It might be quite text heavy all sorts of different ways and see what works as well in terms of content. And I think the thing I love about Pinterest as well is that it gives great brand consistency. So if people are pretty good with their graphics and you can jump on and check out their boards, you'll notice that that the people that do Pinterest very well, it's a little bit like Instagram, but there's there's a really nice theme going on. So if you're someone that loves aesthetics and a lot of the creative women on here do, then realize that Pinterest is a really good opportunity for you to express your brand aesthetic as well. Oh yeah, definitely. And there are certain bloggers that's the primary platform that they focus promoting their content on, right? They don't spend as much time on Facebook. Yes, they have an Instagram account, but they really hone in on the details on Pinterest and see what uh, pins are performing more, you know, better and be able to kind of split test and, and test out those different um, graphics like you were saying and pr- create more of the ones that are performing well to be able to capture more uh, potential traffic as well as leads to their website. Mm, yeah, yeah. And and I for everyone, I think probably the simplest way to understand Pinterest, when we talk about it as a search engine, it is literally like typing into your Google search bar or Firefox or whatever, um, whatever platform you use to search on, it's the same, but it's just generating images rather Mm than, um, links and things like that. So once you start to think about it like that, you realize, oh, okay. If I'm like building your website builds your, uh, SEO credibility, it's the same strategy with Pinterest, just using images. So yeah. And I think as soon as people start to realize that, that it's a visual search engine and understand how they could use it as a business, that's when everything changes. Because a lot of people use it from the, the personal side of things like, oh, I'm going to pin some recipes or DIY decor or whatever. But once they kind of see that shift, they re- will go on a Pinterest and look at it from the business standpoint mm-hmm. and, and then start to realize and understand, oh, how, how this can actually work for them, which is really cool. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's talk a little bit deeper about some of the things you're working on with your coaching clients in this area of self-development, eliminating self-doubt, self-confidence rather. Uh, Yeah. Talk to me about some of these areas that you coach on And I know that you talk about fear of failure and it would be really interesting for you to share with me 
Sorry, I'm actually going to repeat this question because my neighbor is backing out their car and it's really flat. <laughs> my husband just, just took the dogs and I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally the dog goes off in the other room in the background. Yeah. I'm like, oh, nothing to hear. Nothing. Yeah. That's it's all good. It's real life. What can you do? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I've got a I've got a microphone, so usually it doesn't pick it up, but just in case, will. And they always toot toot their horn going out the driveway in case like people are walking on the footpath, uh-huh. and so on the sidewalk. So my dog goes crazy every time they toot the horn, but she's out. So anyway, all good. That's, <laughs> That's all a little good. bit of my life. I love it. Okay, so. Let's go back to that question. Okay. Okay, I want to pivot a little bit around this work that you do and go deeper with the coaching work that you help female entrepreneurs with, female small business owners with. Do you work with women in a particular type of business? Have you have, do you have a particular niche that you work with at the moment? Right now, I would say my niche, so to speak, is just really solopreneurs, people Mm -hmm. who are working by themselves because they likely feel very isolated. They don't have anyone to talk to. And for a lot of women that I have worked with over the years, they don't even have anybody in their in their lives that's a business owner. So Mm -hmm. no one can relate to the struggles that they have. Right. The comparison the not believing in themselves, the feeling really super overwhelmed, um, having sort of a, these blocks and barriers in our beliefs. And so those are some of the areas that I really like to dissect again, because typically as a coach, when there's something that you coach on, it's something that you've struggled with yourself. Mm. And what I like to do at the kind of outset of working with a client is if I'm working with a client just for like a one-on-one we just kind of work through whatever the current block or current issue is. If I'm working with a client more long-term, then we really get into some of the sort of the self-limiting beliefs and the beliefs that hold us back. And we can talk more about that for sure. Um, We talk a little bit about how to kind of um, eliminate distractions and reduce overwhelm and plan and make steps to reverse engineer our goals and to um, do a little bit of goal setting. Because I think a lot of times as a solopreneur, especially if it's your first business, you just don't know what the next steps are. Mm. You just feel really lost. So you're overwhelmed. You're comparing your business with somebody who's been in business for 10 years. You, um, you know, see so-and-so on Instagram and they're, you know, they just had a six figure launch and you're just really struggling with <laughs> like, what do I do next? Who am I? <laughs> what is my life right now? You know, and, and really believing in yourself and having confidence to know that like, you're going to get there. We just have to keep, be consistent and keep going. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's go a little bit deeper then. And maybe you can share with us some of the ways that you help your clients reframe particular things around self-doubt. What, what would be the most common limiting belief that comes up that you notice around self-doubt or I'm not good enough? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's imposter syndrome. Can you, can you pinpoint one phrase that you hear a lot from women? Uh, well, self-doubt 
right? I don't know if I can make this happen. I don't know if I can do it. What if I fail? Um, And and really, you actually hit the nail on the head. I'm not good enough. Yeah. You know, I don't have the same resources, experience, expertise as this person, or I don't have the money that this person has, or I don't have the, the experiences or the, um, you know, accreditations or awards or accolades that that person has. So it's always this like, again, and I think it really does go back to comparison and imposter syndrome. And so, but like you said earlier, everything kind of ties together. So what I like to do at the very, very beginning is address some of the limiting limiting beliefs that people have, because the beliefs are really the foundation of our entire lives. So what we, what we perceive and what we believe about ourselves really is going to dictate like where we end up in our life. And I did not know that for a long time. I thought it was like, I didn't realize that like a victim mentality was a thing. And guys, if you're listening to this right now, victim mentality is when you kind of just allow life to happen to you and not realize that you were the steward of your thoughts, your beliefs, your life, your actions and your behaviors, your habits. So I always like to address belief first, because I feel like when we start to empower ourselves and create hope around the beliefs that we have and get rid of these, the thing about belief is that, and when I, when I found this out, I, it blew my mind is that our beliefs are generally formed when we are eight, 10, 12, 16 years old. Right. And yet we hold these same beliefs about ourselves until we're in our twenties and our thirties and our forties and our fifties. So the beliefs that we have that were formed through experiences, things that people said, evidence that we saw in our lives, hold us back our entire lives, (laughs) even though we're no longer that person anymore, even though we're no longer eight years old. And yet, because this thing was so um, instrumental in our formative years, we don't even recognize it. And so I think it's important to start to create self-awareness around our beliefs and then really work to start to change them. And, and we can break that down further if you want. Yeah, I would love I would love for you to, if you're open yeah. to sharing your secret strategies. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a secret. It's, it's out there, you know, in the open. But, but for whatever reason, again, it, it goes back to we... I think we want to have to change. The first step of making change is that we want to we want to make drastic change in our lives. And that then pushes us into that self-development, self-improvement journey. And then because we're learning a lot more, we're creating more self-awareness, we then realize that we have these beliefs. And once we recognize and we choose a belief that we would like to change, we then can start to uh, reframe that belief by rewriting it. And it can be something that's just, you know, a little bit more, more believable and more improved in our lives. So say for instance, you say, and I'm going to use money as an example, because I know that's something that a lot of people really struggle with. You know, I'm not good with money. Okay. An improved reframed belief could be, I am learning to get better with my money every single day. And then once you have written this empowered, new empowered belief about yourself, and it sounds super simple, right? It's definitely easier said than done. You want to carry that belief with you. You want to affirm it to yourself every single day. And then 
you want to start to have take action within that new belief about yourself. So if you are saying, I am getting better at managing my money every single day, you're then likely taking, you're watching content about budgeting. You're making a budget. You are um, talking with family and friends about, you know, healthy money habits. You are paying down debt. You're saving money. You know, you're doing all these things that are going to reaffirm the evidence of the new belief. Mm. Mm. So that's kind of a very short and succinct version of how you (laughs) walk through uh, overcoming a belief. Yes. Yes. And the, the money one, you're spot on. That is, that is very much related to how we feel about ourselves often as well. So there can be some deeper limiting beliefs underneath that that money one. And it's a really great one to address because it unlocks so much for people, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? When they, when they, when they work on their money, they feel more confident in themselves. And when they feel more confident in themselves, they make more empowered decisions around money. So it's all very much connected. Yeah. Okay. That that's, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. Uh, Do you help your clients with an action plan? If, if, they they want to reframe this limiting belief. Do you help them to create habits around uh, expressing this this new belief about themselves or taking the actions that reflect that belief? Yes, absolutely. So we'll go through and we'll sit down and we'll we'll kind of uncover you know, the current, the limiting belief that's kind of holding them back currently, right? Because I think we all have many <laughs> limiting beliefs that we kind of have to encounter and conquer in our own lives. So we'll, we'll kind of address the one that is through our conversations together that is kind of, I see cropping up mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it a little bit, but we'll dissect it and be like, well, why did, why does that, you know, where, where did you, where did that belief come from? What is the evidence or the situations or the experiences in your life? You know, where did those things, uh, where, where did the evidence of that come up for you? Um, and then also once we have that conversation, once we dissect it a little bit more, we then create the more empowered belief and we create that action. I call it like an action checklist or a plan to say, okay, well, here, here's some, here's what I call it homework things that you could do uh, right now within the next two weeks until our next call to start moving forward in the new belief and letting go of the, that, that old outdated self-limiting belief that no longer serves you and is not, not the person that you are um, not the person that you want to be and has no bearing on your, who your future self is. And so when we have those conversations I can see them kind of like sit up a little bit taller and feel more empowered because then they know, okay, well now I have a plan. Like now I have an action to move forward in the direction of the person that I want to be. Mm, mm. Yes. It's that, that phrase, isn't it? Rather than letting you, letting life happen to you, you're making life happen for you. I think that's mm-hmm. how it goes. Something, something, <laughs> something along like those that. lines. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it is, it's a dramatic shift when you, when you take your power back, isn't it? And mm. uh, it's not to say that those things that happen in your past didn't happen or that they don't, they don't have meaning or they didn't have impact on you at that time. But like you say, you don't have to 
carry that with you into your into your future and mm-hmm. and so much of small business entrepreneurship solopreneurship is mindset work isn't it it's yes. really when you're when you are working for yourself in the early days and working by yourself there's so much you've got to overcome because there's not that person next to you you might have a coach but even still in between sessions you've (laughs) got to keep that momentum going and long after you've worked with them as well so yes it's probably one of the most empowering times but also one of the uh most complex (laughs) times yeah yeah and, and one thing that I anybody who's listening that I really want you to understand is when we empower ourselves and recreate hope in our own lives, like that is, it's just, it's magical. It's completely life-changing because when you realize that all of your life, your business, whatever it is that you're working on, like you have everything that you need inside of you to make that happen. It's really just time, intentionality, hard work and knowledge you know, everything's like a muscle. So any area of your life that you feel like you're really struggling with right now, it can be improved. You just have to give dedicated um, intention and effort behind that one thing. Amazing. Amazing. Tell me a little bit, finally, what you're excited about for the rest of 2020. I think this is an important question to ask because so many of us could reflect on what didn't go right in 2020, but we still have three months almost left of this year. What are you excited about for going into this final part of this year? You know, Ruby, I am so excited that you asked this question yeah. because recently on, on social media, especially, you know, everyone's like, oh, 2020, I just want it to be over. And I'm like, what do you mean you just want it to be over? Like, if you want to make change in your life, like this is, this is the time to start because of everything that we have been through this year. Um, but also like three months is a really long time. So say you want to change three habits and you can each month address a different thing that you want to change in your life. You could start three new habits by year's end, which I think is, is incredible. So I think for me, I'm just really super excited to one, continue working with the clients that I currently have and seeing the, the big takeaways and successes that they have uh, building this little baby coaching business of mine. Um, yeah. And, and having conversations like this, where we can share with more women about leading more empowered and hopeful lives. Um, and then I think just, I don't know, just, just keep, you know, keeping the faith and moving forward and knowing that like in challenge is really when a lot of the beautiful things are born. A lot of great things come out of times like these. Yes. Yes. Very, very well said. Thank you so much, Joanne, for your time today, your contribution to the lives of the women that you work with. And I'm really grateful for your time and some of those insights that you shared from your new endeavor with the life coaching, but also your previous experience as well. That's really generous of you. So thank you so much. Oh, Ruby, it was awesome. I appreciate it so much.